power on. This episode of TIE Fighter Renegades is dedicated to Chris Pasquini. A year later and we still miss you. We always will. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. When I see you again. It's TIE Fighter Renegades, a Star Wars podcast. Woo, the man of tomorrow is here. I know you've been waiting for me because it's time for a little TIE Fighter Renegades. And that means you weren't just waiting for me. You were waiting for none other than the man, Robin Freebeard. Woo. Robin, Woo. welcome to the show, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Um, there's never, admittedly. So, of course, in uh, recent months, we've opened up the show a bit to go even a little beyond uh, Star Wars. And we're prob- we'll probably get into a little things beyond, uh, beyond that uh, as we go through this episode. But... Um, Man, I mean, it's it's amazing when the entire news cycle really seems to be around two things, protesters and COVID-19. Somehow there is still this deluge of Star Wars news and or at least of some rumors going around and things like this. Uh, so we still have plenty of Star Wars uh, to to talk about in this episode, and we are going to get into that um, even though I think you can still see the effects certainly of, uh, you know, the quarantine, the lockdown of COVID-19, um, on some of the news. And I guess, you know, why, why don't we open it up? Let's talk about, I guess where it was kind of a, a surprise drop or is originally a leak. And then within a few hours or maybe a day, electronic arts came out and said, or EA came out. I don't even know. Did they even bother to call themselves electronic arts anymore, Rob? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, it, they're continually. It, certainly, voted. it certainly isn't the EA we grew up with. No, no, because they used to put out great shit. I mean, yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, it's continually voted like the worst company in the world. I think in, in fact, in the world globally, it even beats Comcast. Uh, so take that for what you will, but anyway, they, uh, uh, it was leaked that there was going to be a new star Wars game. And I think they even had the artwork, if I'm not mistaken for star Wars squadrons. Yeah. And then within a day or so they said, Oh, we have an announcement coming. And of course, everybody then knew what it was. Um, I don't know that the leak for star Wars squadrons was something planned by EA. Um, I mean, it's kind of, let's, let's go ahead. Let's put it this way. Uh, they obviously had it ready to go because they had a trailer ready, ready. They had an artwork. You don't put together a trailer like that in three days. Yes. So that this was doesn't happen. That's a great point to bring up. So uh, the leak. I, yeah, I don't know if it was intentional or whatever, but they were certain it doesn't like I don't think some people are saying like, oh, it got leaked. And then, you know, oh, they just had to announce it. No, they were clearly ready, like you said, Rob, um, because the trailer, which we have linked to in the show notes for Star Wars Squadrons, uh, while it shows no gameplay whatsoever, uh, it is a very finely tuned and uh, I mean, well-produced uh, trailer. 
and you know it is uh, i guess cinematic footage from the from the game not not full motion video but you know uh your cgi fair um i guess i'll ask the question rob i mean watching it the first go round, it goes a couple minutes uh what did you think um i think that i'm not looking at any gameplay so i have no idea what this is right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, and they did get called out by that on, on social media and YouTube and so on. It's like, you know, game player, shut the fuck up. You know what right. I mean? Like, like, yeah. what are you even showing us? Um, and, and yeah, I felt the same way. I mean, I'm watching it. I can certainly make commentary about the, you know, what's in the trailer overall. Uh, but I'm watching it. I'm like, no, no, show me what this, what the fuck this is. Like we, we right. still really don't know. And I, and I don't think, I know there have been some more details that have come out, but not, not a whole lot. And most people were basically thinking, well, you know, even what we're being led to believe this is, it's basically just like the, uh, starship battles within battlefront two. And they just turned it into like a solo game. I mean, Um, it was created to generate hype and it is doing that. I mean, sure. I, I, I see no lack of people kind of, uh, putting their hopeful speculations into what they think this, they hope it might be. But right. uh, I have a feeling a lot of those people are going to be disappointed. But I could be wrong because I was wrong about Fallen Order. But we'll get into that because there's there's some other stuff to talk about with this. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, to finish, to round out talking about the trailer, um, I'll tell you one thing that I was impressed by. I mean, we do see that's pretty much a CGI wedge, right? That we saw. Yeah. 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 Hera was there, too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which that was a nice touch. Um, the music, damn, do they always do? I mean, Disney really always does phenomenal work with recomposing John Williams stuff uh, for for Star Wars trailers. And I always find myself actually one day, hopefully, they will release like a trailer music album for Star Wars. Uh, and and because they used actually your favorite piece of, uh, of Star Wars composition, Rob, they they used uh, the asteroid field, I think, yeah. for that. Uh, which I, I thought certainly was great music to what was happening uh, within the action of what we saw. I have no problem with what I saw, you know, in 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 the trailer. I mean, and EA's done great trailers. Like, boy, I'll tell you, the first trailer for the Old Republic, you know, the MMO, um, that was nuts. Like, yeah. I, I still keep that in my like my private Star Wars collection, where I'll watch that every once in a while because that's some of the best fucking lightsaber action you're ever going to see in your life. And yeah, I mean, really, really epic. Especially that shot when you know the uh, the the Sith landing ship opens up and all those red lightsabers light up. Yeah, right in the darkness. There's just yeah. red lightsabers everywhere, and then you have like Mandalorians jetpacking around, blasting Jedi. I mean, it, it awesome. If you ever want to see a great trailer for a video game, there you go. But of course there's no gameplay there just like this. So EA can cut a great trailer. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, though I kind of wonder, I'm, I'm wondering if there's a little bit of a curse here because I thought the trailer for fallen order was pure shit, but the game ended up being pretty good. Uh, so I wonder if, if, the, <laughs> if, EA makes a, if they make a great trailer, the game's going to suck ass. If, if the trailer sucks, Oh, it's probably going to be a great game. You know, it might be one of those things, right? Yeah. Um, so, but I, I mean, for what was in the trailer, okay, nice. But like you said, there's no gameplay there. Um, so, I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's what I could say about it. And again, we really don't know what's going on. I mean, it, it looks like we're basically going to get, you know, five V five, uh, you know, squadron battles, right. Uh, right. You know, five versus five, um, in all of this. And I mean, if that's the gameplay, 
because it certainly doesn't look like it's going to be any kind of, you know, really in-depth flight simulator akin to, you know, X-Wing or TIE Fighter um, or X-Wing Alliance. Uh, if it's just this, you know, basic squadron battle, it might not be basic, but it's certainly not a flight simulator. Uh, I mean, does that interest well, you at all, Rob? Well, I don't know, because, I mean, I I have heard that this game is going to have uh, uh, flight stick and HOTAS support. Yep. Okay, I've heard that and, too. And, and VR support. Yeah, and v, which I'm less excited about, but that's Same. because I haven't really been into VR. Um and in the trailer, I guess some people also noticed that there might be some, you know, energy management, you know, mechanic to yeah. the game, you know, where you like in the old X-Wing games where you would, you know, uh, manage your shields and, and lasers and stuff like that. And people. So you know, here again, it's not gameplay, so we don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, if it's if it is what based on what you're hearing about it i mean is this a game that you're in any way excited for i i well before i learned more about it i was cautiously optimistic that's what i'll say my first my first Same. reaction to the trailer was one of cautious optimism mm-hmm. now granted i and and we heard also that there's going to be a single player component to this game right i can't imagine it you know ea being involved you know like after i being already being burnt by battlefront 2 and there's going to be more to talk about that soon yes. uh, that the single player game is going to have much to it and i'll just say it straight up uh x-wing versus tie fighter the original game i think what was it from 99 or 98 uh, mm-hmm. my least favorite game in that series because it was basically all online right yes yeah yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, that now, if, if they come out and and announce that there are going to be like, you know, three battles and fifteen missions in each battle, then maybe, maybe. Right. But I have my right. doubts. Yeah, and and I mean, with EA's history, we can't really be confident in expansion packs either. Which, by the way, Tie Fighter, X Wing, and etc. all had um over the years you well, know expansion until they packs would... are dead you know that right right well i mean like you know because battlefront 2 had basically you know dlc i should say now yeah but it was a bunch it. of tiny little bits of you know like yes, a couple of mats a couple maps and a couple of skins and that's it that's that's not really yeah. an expansion to me yeah i mean and it, right like the 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 missions you play with an older Iden versio just whatever you know it it didn't really do anything um yeah i mean i I felt the same way where i was like okay you know all right like cautiously optimistic maybe this will be all right and but then based on what i've heard so far i'm just like "Eh, i'm I'm just not i don't have any confidence in ea uh i mean as good as fallen order was and it really was a great story i mean great single player the, the the whole thing um i you know we'll never know the numbers i don't think I just can't imagine that that was that that did great money for EA, not the kind of money that they put into the game anyway. And I think they basically had to do it. I wouldn't be surprised. And we talked about this already or in the past, but I bet Disney basically said, look, you got to come out with a great fucking game and you've got to, you got to shut these people up for a minute, you know, for a little while, uh, because, yeah. and, and well, so it was I a mean- loss leader. Yeah, I mean, we do know, I mean, like the the credit goes entirely to to Respawn, who was Mm -hmm. the the developer of the game. And and we already know for a fact that 
it started out as a completely different game that had nothing to do with Star Wars. Right, right. Yeah, that, again, it just everything about the production of Fallen Order feels like it was just a mandate. Okay, no, we've got to put together a tight single-player game just to get these people off of our freaking backs. Um, and, you know, get the fans off of their backs and so on. Um, so I don't see, like, EA can't constantly make lost leader games. You know, they... Yeah. It's the hardest part for modern gamers to understand is that like they have to put in IAP. They have to put in the loot crates. They have yep. to put all this stuff in because yep. if they don't, they cannot cover the cost of production of a modern game. They can't even cover the costs of running the fucking servers that does all their multiplayer for you. They, they just can't. So, I mean, and I, I hate IAP and all that crap too, and overpriced DLC and shit that should have been in the game from the get go, you know, and all I'm, I am totally with everybody on that. But at the same time, I also understand that to have games of this caliber, uh, you know, and, and I mean, it, it's thousands of people working on these things and you got to pay those bills, you know? And, and so yeah. it's, it's unfortunate that that's where we're at. I'm not, there's no sympathy for the devil for me, for me, EA. fuck EA. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, I understand why they do this. Um, but what do you get? You got right. something to wrap? Well, I mean, I, I don't know if I entirely agree with, with your, your premise that, um, that they couldn't pay the bills on just making, you know, games like Fallen Earth. I mean, let, let, the thing is, is, is that EA, EA has had, you know, several years of record profits. Mm-hmm. I think like 20, 2018 was like a record year from them. Mm-hmm. But it was also a huge, they took a huge blow because of all of this stuff with, you know, the loot crates and the gambling mechanics and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, if they if they can make that kind of money while taking that kind of, you know, blow in the public arena, I don't know, you know? Yeah, I mean, you'd think there'd be other game series that could somehow, like, offset the cost. I don't know. You know, actually, here, here, just real quick, uh, I mean, I, I think there's a rumor going around, or maybe it's absolute, maybe it's proven fact now, is that Warner Brothers Interactive is up for sale. Um, that is a major game uh, uh, dev house. And, you know, I, I really, I just, I wish Disney would just swoop right. I, I hate to say it's, I don't want Disney to get any bigger. Don't, don't, don't misconstrue me, but I wish Disney would just buy them up because there's great people there. Like, uh, I mean, uh, NetherRealm Studios is part of Warner Brothers Interactive that make the genuinely great Mortal Kombat games. Um, anyway, I don't want to get lost in the conversation of Disney just needs to dump EA, but <laughs> you know, for, well, for they the don't, future, they don't even have to specifically dump EA. They just need to stop making these goddamn exclusivity deals. Right. Open it. Right. Let everybody play in the sandbox. Let anybody who has a really great fucking idea, make a goddamn star Wars game. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So with uh, star Wars squadrons now, uh, some of the details that we do have do not um, also do not inspire me with confidence, particularly with the single player and the potential for a story, because the, uh, the story is, well, I, there's there's two writers for the game, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of them is, uh, is is kind of a kind of an old friend of the show. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not really a friend. Uh, <laughs> But there might have been a little conflict between him and Rob. Uh, and mm, <laughs> that yes. is uh, that is Mitch Dyer. 
um, who was the lead writer or maybe the sole writer on, uh, on battlefront two, uh, that being, you know, the Iden Versio one. And now we talked about this when, uh, a few episodes ago, because Rob had a Twitter altercation with Mitch Dyer saying, you know, what, what the hell's with this? Uh, well, I mean, go ahead and tell it, Rob. I mean, you, well, you yeah, know. I, I was, I was basically, uh, taking issue with basically the guy was patting himself on the back on Twitter for the great job that he did on, uh, writing the, the single player, uh, campaign for battlefront two. And all mm-hmm. these people were, you know, basically all of his friends in the 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 games media industry because that's where he came from. And originally, he was a uh, a columnist on IGN, right? And all these people were patting him on back. Oh yeah, you did such a good job. And I'm like, I I'm sorry, but I disagree because um, the the story that was set up for you by uh, I think it was Christy Golden who wrote yeah. the uh, the Battlefront Two novel. Uh, set you up with with a great cast of characters in the story, and you just basically ran it into the ground by the third mission. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and and he came back with saying, "Sorry, I don't want to write about what was it about sociopaths or fascists." Well, or yeah, no, like- because because yeah, it's like he he didn't he yeah he he didn't want to, uh, you know, write anything from the empire's point of view or, or he didn't think, well, at first he came back, he said he, he didn't think it could be done. Then I said, you know, point out the game from 1994, uh, that being, you know, the Tide game that, that this show is named for. And yep. his, and his retort was basically is, is that, uh, he didn't have any, you know, interest in, you know, uh, writing fascist fiction. <sighs> Yeah, exactly. And and we we talked about all this and of course where he's like wildly wrong. And I mean to prove the point, Tie Fighter as we say often is on every top pretty much every top 10 list for PC games. Um if they're covering not just the modern era. I mean it's just on every single fucking one. Um if it's not number 1, it's usually number 2, but it's definitely in the top 10. So obviously people really enjoyed that fascist fiction or it's, it's not fascist fiction, but whatever. Anyway. <laughs> um, so he, yeah, it was found out that, that he is writing this and yeah, part, well, again, uh, again, he went on Twitter to basically pat himself on the back for being the lead, you know, one of the lead writers on this new game. Right, right. Exactly. So yeah, apparently this guy is just in constant need of, you know, positive reinforcement from his, you know, uh, from, from, you know, the, the stadiums out in Twitterverse. (laughs) Yeah. So here's the thing. Okay. Now before, I mean, the fact, the popularity of the game TIE fighter alone speaks for itself. Okay. And basically says Mitch Dyer is dead wrong about not wanting to come from an imperial perspective. Obviously there are people who love that. Okay. Um, and frankly, whatever perspective a game comes from, if the gameplay is great, it doesn't really matter. (laughs) You know, like if the game is that, is that solid, um, you know, for example, uh, colony wars. Okay. Real, real quick. And then I want to read some, I, I actually took some notes here, but real quick colony wars, which was a trilogy on the PlayStation one back in the nineties, their flight sims, very deep, 
They're fantastic. They're, they're great games. You spend the entire first game, multiple discs, which was rare at the time for a PlayStation game, um, you know, as, as a certain group. And you, you think you're part of like this league that is fighting for freedom and everything. You get to the second game, you find out you were playing the bad guys the whole time in the first Colony Wars game. That takes nothing away from an incredible ex uh, flight sim experience, you know, uh, that, that being Colony Wars. Um, and I would still, to this day, recommend everybody fucking play that game. Uh, and, I mean, it's one of the reasons I still have a PS2 around is so that I could play Colony Wars every once in a while. Um, you know, that none of that, like, a great game is a great game. Just like a great movie is a great movie, regardless of what the, what the hell's going on, you know? Uh, I mean, Metropolis is a plan for fascism, sure. But guess what? Everybody should fucking watch it. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> I, I just, th this argument is, it's lazy on his part. Now I want to kind of prove the point. And because I was looking at the YouTube comments, uh, not that that's necessarily a bastion of enlightenment on the internet, but I was looking in the YouTube comments for the star Wars squadrons, uh, uh trailer from the official EA page. And we've got, I'm, I'm just going to read a select few, but I assure you they are representative of many. And you can go to the link in the show notes and find out for yourself. So here's a, here's the first one. Uh, let's see, uh, developers, you get a view from the empire side and you fight against the rebels. Me. Finally, we get a game with the, uh, with the empire's point of view, the game after the third mission, you join the rebels me. And then it's just like a placid face. Right. And, <laughs> uh, let's go, let's go to the next one. Um, I swear if they pull some Iden Versio switching to rebels BS on the empire campaign, like just tell a story from the point of the empire and leave it at that. You have so much potential for interesting and deep imperial characters. Don't just pull a, and they, and then they were good guys. Next one. If this is going to make, if or, oh, this, this is actually, this is great. This is a good deep cut and proves the point even more. Uh, just saying how many fans there are of playing the Imperial side. Uh, here it is. Uh, if this is going to be one of those games where I'm, or what, yeah. Oh no, it's the, I'll read it. Okay, here we go. They should make an anime where the empire pilots are totally owning the rebellion as a kind of prequel would probably get millions of views. <laughs> now, now, you gotta know what that's referencing, but I mean, and the thing is, is that there was an, an uh, like a, a fan made anime. Yes. And it's by awesome. a guy named. Yeah, by a game uh, named uh, Oda King, if I remember correctly. That's it. Yeah, it's Oda King. This and it's a few minutes long. It's awesome. It's the Empire kicking the shit out of rebels, and, and you know, in 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 space, it is dynamite. And yes, it has millions and millions of views. Now, do I think that there's millions of fascists out there because they enjoyed and viewed and watched this empire thing? No, of course not. They just appreciated great art and, you know, great, uh, uh the coming together of those pieces. And it's, it's awesome. You watch it. Anybody watches. It. I don't care if you're a fan of the rebellion or what, you know, faction you're a fan of in, in star Wars. Uh, it's just dynamite work. Uh, so I thought that was a great cut, <laughs> but again, you it know, proves the point. Go ahead. I wonder what Mitch Dyer thinks about the, uh, the 501st, you know, the cosplay group that does charity events and they right. dress up in stormtrooper armor and Imperials and, you know, tie fighter pilots. Like Who have when, been featured are, by are, Disney themselves. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Are these a bunch of crypto fascists out there, you know, uh, uh, trying to, to spread the quote, get good word to, you know, sick children and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
And we continue on with just a couple more comments just to just to drive the point home. Uh, let's see if this is going to be one of those games where I'm forced to play as the rebels after two missions. I'm not going to be happy. Here's a last one. Wow. The empire looks really cool. Can't wait to play them only to have the main character switch to the rebels at the end. And you know, there, there it is. I mean, and they better be really careful and Mitch better be really careful about the way that they position and market this game because you know, the, the first comment drove the point home about how, or, you know, also clearly other people heard the message that battlefront two, the single player was being sold as an Imperial angled game. Yes. In fact, and the it, signs are already not good because I remember one of the, uh, I don't know if you want to call it tagline or, you know, uh, lines that they use to promote the game back for hmm. Battlefront 2 at, you know, Star Wars Celebration several years ago was they used the line, heroes on both sides. Nah. And they're using the same line again because I saw it show up in an IGN article about this game. Heroes on yeah, both yeah. sides. Right. So, yeah, I mean, but they're going to get into a whole lot of heat if, if yeah, if, if everybody's just going to convert over, um, you know, in the end, in the single player, like, oh, suddenly we're rebels and all. I mean, just, just stop. D don't do it. I mean, the, the, the one comment was absolutely right. You can have incredibly deep, uh, you know, stories and deep characters. I mean, you think uh, uh, Ray Sloan, right? You know, yeah. from, from the books. Right. Uh, is a great example. Yeah, Lost Stars, and she carried on to so many other books, you know, Yeah, uh, because she was such a deep character. Guess what? She was, as far as we know, stuck with the Empire through thick and thin, never, yeah. never, yeah. you know, changed sides. And, and even though the, the character from Lost Stars, I think her name was Sienna, even though she got, you know, captured by the rebellion at the Battle mm -hmm. of Jakku, you know, like, the, unfortunately, they never carried that story on. I kind of wish they would. But Maybe she, they never, yeah. she never really left the Empire. She never became, quote, a good guy. Right. Right. Um, I mean, the popularity of Thrawn, Thrawn never became a good guy. I mean, it could be argued that he's never, he's not exactly hundred percent empire either, but you know, I mean, point being is that you can have these tremendous characters if you're willing to explore that side. And look, I just, you know, <laughs> video games aren't going to turn your kids into a bunch of fascists. Public schools probably will, but video games aren't going to. All right. Certainly not a star Wars game. So I, I don't, this attitude, and 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 I tweeted at Mitch, and it got, got no response, of course. Uh, oh, I did know, too. Sure, right. I mean, basically saying, like, I, I hope you have, I mean, we're, well, anyway, basically saying, I guess we're not going to get any great Empire stuff because you refuse to write that sort of thing. No response. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, so with, with the Mitch Dyer thing, I just, I don't have any confidence whatsoever, um, that this is from an Imperial perspective, going to be an interesting game might end up being a great game besides, but you basically have, you, you've brought in EA has brought in people writers in this case who are very, have a very narrow vision of what makes great art, what makes interesting star Wars. Yeah. And that's well, a loss for all of us. Go ahead. The, the only hope that I hold out is, is that Mitch is writing the rebel sided thing. And the other writer, I think, uh, uh, Joe Barry mm -hmm. is, will write the Imperial side of things. And yeah. 
I, I don't know all of her credits. I think she worked on the, the Old Republic MMO, but I'm not really... I, I haven't played much of that game, so I've got deep into the story. I don't know whether it's any good or not. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, story-wise, as I understand it, Old Republic is pretty engaging. And, I mean, you know, I mentioned that trailer earlier. They would, as they would come out with major updates to the game, they would do new story trailers and everything. And it always looked really interesting. I mean, I'm not going to give my life to an MMO, but, like, that was... I, I always find those very engaging. So if they're bringing her in, yeah, maybe she could pull it off and, and, uh, and, and great. Um, if, if that's going to be the case, but you're going to have to, I mean, just don't have Mitch write the Imperial side cause he can't, <laughs> so, or he, he won't. won't, he yeah. won't, I should say he won't. Um, but that, yeah, that, that part like really frustrated me. Uh, I don't know. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see what, what was this available for PS4, PC, Xbox? Yeah, I, I assume it's going to be available on all the major platforms other than uh, Nintendo Minus switch. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which is whatever. I mean, that, that happens, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm a, I'm a switch gamer and, and I, I'm kind of used to that. Uh, so that's fine. But, um, but then again, you know, uh, uh, doom three and, and doom eternal run on switch too. So, I mean, well, that's Not the to thing. Say it couldn't happen. Yeah, that's the thing is that, and now EA did say that they were going to be bringing some games over to Switch this year, and they were going to have some announcements, which they have traditionally not been super supportive of the Switch. Uh, so maybe, I mean, I'd be happy if they if they brought Jedi Fallen Order over. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm just well, as it, pleased it, watching. It, the, go ahead. I mean, the thing is, is that any any you know uh, uh, really graphically intense game like that that you port over to Switch is going to have to be extremely well optimized. And yeah. that's uh, not something that EA is a proven quantity in, in any measure whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or you can, you know, you don't want to strip any of the like gameplay elements or any of the features. Um, but like, for example, Mortal Kombat 11 got ported over to switch. And I mean, it's very telling just how kind of rough the graphics got to make that work (laughs) (laughs) as someone that plays it a lot. Uh, but at the same time, like that's fine with me, you know, because I mean, again, the, the switch magic is that it's portable like that. That's, that's why people are willing to put up with a lesser presentation of a game, you know, because, okay, well, at least I get to play it on the road, you know? Um, so I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll see. We will, and and the other, I mean, the other thing is we don't know what engine this is on. I know EA has kind of stepped back from you know enforcing the the Frostbite engine on mm-hmm. all their games, uh, but if it is on the Frostbite engine, you can pretty much guarantee it's not going to be on the Switch. Yeah, 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 exactly. That That's... that engine is a big steaming pile of bantha doo doo. Yeah, and very proprietary. Like I can't even imagine what it's like to work with that. It's it's nasty, but I mean, it's you know. EA is just leaving money on the table. I mean, because there's so many, you know, switches as far as sales goes, basically the hottest, you know, fucking hardware on the planet. Uh, you know, so it's on them, but I mean, that's, that's, that's been their, their theme with the entire star Wars license that they've just been leaving money on the table for years and years now. (laughs) (laughs) Great point. (laughs) Uh, yeah. If you want logic, don't go there. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, so Squadrons, I, I, I'm not cautiously optimistic. I'm just, like, apathetic 
and yeah. Yeah. if something happens great, you know, but it, I mean, I'll, I, we've said this before and I'll reiterate it here. I'll never pre-order, you know, uh, a star Wars game from EA ever again, no. ever, no. ever again. No, I yeah. still haven't paid for a full version of fallen order. I mean, if I have to, I'll do the same thing here again. I hope they'll have the same deal with EA mm-hmm. Origin, where I can just sign up for one month for fifteen bucks, play the whole game, and be done with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, admittedly, that I mean that's a, kind of a, a side conversation. Um, I mean, EA, I think they are feeling the sting, budget-wise, monetary, or you know, uh, profits-wise, I should say, um, because I'm in awe that they are poor, they're letting all their games go on steam, uh, now, you know, and they're basically co-releasing and yeah. I feel like they're very much backpedaling off of origin. Um, yeah, I mean, the, you know, I could, all right. So here's the thing. And, and I want your thoughts on like origin all access. Um, I recently just as kind of a beta, I tried out the, uh, Xbox pass for PC mm-hmm. and it's five bucks a month. They start you off for like a buck, you know, and then you can cancel and whatever, but it's five bucks a month after that, the catalog of games that you get access to. I mean, it's amazing. Like, like, I mean, that it's really impressive, you know, age of empires, streets of rage Four. um, I mean, a lot, all the, all the halo games. Um, I mean, most of like the modern major hits that you can imagine, uh, stuff that, yeah. I just look at it and I go for five bucks a month and that, you know, equates to what, $60 a year, the price of one game. And I get to play all of these. Uh, I mean, that, that's actually a great value. I can't it believe is. Getting, it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, Microsoft of course makes their money in plenty of other ways. So I'm sure that they can, they can afford to undercut the competition because what was origin all access? I know you got to do it for free, but yeah, it's 15 it was, bucks. Yeah. It was 15 bucks for No, I didn't do it for free. I just, I, I did pay for one month. Okay. In order, because they do have a lower tier one that I don't remember how much money it is, but Mm. you don't get access to the entire, you know, EA catalog. So that's kind of stuff like it's mostly all their older games or stuff from just a couple years ago, but you don't get the stuff that comes out that day. But with the with the the fifteen dollars a month subscription, you just you you get everything. Yeah. I mean, what did you think of like the game selection? Did you think it was worth the price? Mm, I mean, obviously you're not no. sticking with yeah. it, but go ahead. Right, exactly. I only had it for one month, so it wasn't really a huge value proposition because EA's catalog isn't that big. Mm-hmm. When you when it comes down to it. Yeah. Unless unless you're really into what is it, uh, the battlefield. the battlefield. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I gotta tell you, like that that Xbox uh, game pass for PC. I mean, five bucks a month like that's yeah, it's stupid the amount of games. Go ahead. It is that there's 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 a really weird thing going on that games industry right now. It kind of started with with Steam sales, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of bringing down the the perceived cost of games. And now Steam has, uh, you know, the Epic uh, uh, store literally just giving away games uh, well, wait. There, Epic is a separate one, right? Yeah, that's uh, yeah, same. Right. That's 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 yeah. Steam's like biggest competition right now. It used right. to be, be GOG, and even GOG wasn't really that big of a competition for them because they were doing mostly classic games at yeah. the time. But yeah, Ep- Epic is is they're I mean they're just going away. They're 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 literally giving money away. They're you know they've they've had huge discounts discounts so big that 
publishers have you know temporarily removed their games from the platform because they don't want to lower the perceived value of their product yeah so fun yeah yeah see this is the we could get into a huge conversation here but the so i see this every once in a while where epic uh games is offering okay you know get this i mean what do they have grand theft auto uh five or grand yeah, theft auto yeah. online or whatever and you yeah, could I get it that for- up a couple months ago and and uh mm-hmm. was it uh uh deliverance kingdom come which was a huge medieval you know rpg game they gave that away right huge triple a games and when these games are still basically in their prime you know games and games that reg- regularly cost 60 dollars or more um i mean that's a that's what you have to do to compete or to become a new player in the gaming, in the game platform space that steam is in and that consoles are in and so on, um, to, to try and be taken seriously, I think. Well, but I mean, there, there, I, I do think there's other ways to go about it. I just think that, uh, that Epic is going the, the quick and dirty route. It is quick and dirty. Yes. Okay. Now, the, you know, the funny thing with me is I hear every time that this happens and I just, I refuse to make another fucking account. I mean, a like, and, and I don't, I'm not knocking anybody that made an account. I, I totally understand the appeal, uh, you know, like I really do. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I even look at my GOG account and my steam account and there's so many doubles as it were, you know, like, like games that I have on both. And it's not just because GOG was giving games away, which they've done, where if you have it in your Steam library, they'll give it to you for free. Again, same kind of a same MO or whatever. Um, I mean, I have so many games to play. <laughs> like, I know, I know. I can't, Look, I cannot live I'll, long enough. I can't. I, I will admit it. I, I, I do have an Epic account. I haven't bought anything on the store, but I've taken, right. you know, a good chunk of their free games just because, like, what the hell not? But you know what? It does have a psychological effect in that, you know, there was a time when I was excited to play, you know, uh, Deliverance Kingdom Come or Grand Theft Auto Five, and you know what? I've had those games for months now, and I haven't installed them yet. Right, right. Because my perceived value of those games is what I paid for it, which is zero. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I I hear that, and I mean, and that's oh, I mean that 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 has ramifications that go across everything. Like the amount of music, <laughs> I'll just say it, the amount of music that I download compared to what I actually get the chance to listen to. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, it's insane, you know, and oh, the, we, we could go so far with this. I know I keep saying that, but really like this, this has massive ramifications, but bottom line being, I just, I don't want another account, you know, with, with, and, and again, I don't begrudge anybody for opening up you know, an Epic account and getting their hands on those games. I mean, they're, they're great games. Um, and I mean, they, they've got it like Epic and others have got to be seeing the writing on the wall with Stadia and X cloud and so on. Um, you know, as far as like cloud gaming services that are really subscription services, unless they're just trying to hook everybody in and then sell them on a subscription service, uh, I mean, I don't like it, but I think subscription services of some type within video games, I mean, that is, I think that's absolutely the future. I will avoid and sidestep that future, but it is the future for everybody else, you know, and and, and I yeah. get that. And even yeah. like with, like I mentioned, the Xbox Game Pass, of, why wouldn't you? You know, I mean, the, 
the reason I was willing to try that out is because, well, I already have a Microsoft account, so I'm not, you know, it's not really adding anything in that sense. Um, but well, I mean, it is a logical compression from where the end the video game industry has come from. Mm-hmm. You know, it started out with, uh, you know, online services, and you had the option of hosting your own servers, right. and they took that away from us. And right. now we don't have control of the servers, and it's online. You know, you can only play the game multiplayer through their servers. The next step was is to even have single player games with an online always, uh, you know, component to you, where you always had to be connected to, you know, the 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 game company's server, or the publisher's server, in mm-hmm. order to just play the single player game. And then you have, you know, this all this live services and DLC and. You know, and the biggest games, you know, or that this this Fortnite shit. Yeah. You know, it is. It's just it's 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 just a logical. You can see where this is all leading and where it's going to. And you're absolutely right. It's it, it is the future. You know. Yeah, I mean, and what what bothers me though, and I I I recommend people do this. If you have a Twitter account, if you don't have a Twitter account, don't don't open one. Uh, but if, you, <laughs> if you have one, okay. There's a there's an account called Delisted Games, and all this Twitter account does is keeps track of when games get removed from any of these platforms. Okay, any of these you know games, and it's not just like streaming platforms, uh, you know, like Stadia, but it's platforms like Steam or Elite or whoever yeah. where they or Epic. I mean, um, where they will you know they'll remove a game from being able to play it. Now, if you yeah. bought the game, you usually still get access to it. I don't think that's always true. And I'm not going to get into the story around GOG where I think they pulled something like that. Uh, even though GOG gives you like actually all the install files and for the most part is DRM free. So that kind of negates right. that problem anyway. Regardless, um, you should look at this account. And yeah, just- it is. It is Go a ahead. very useful account just on the basis of the fact a lot of times they kind of get early warning. Yes. about when these games are going to be delisted. And sometimes you can go out and get them and they'll even be on sale at the time. Right. Like I, I remember picking up the, um, the remastered DuckTales game on mm-hmm. Steam before it was taken down. Great game. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, check this out. And, but it should bring you pause. You know, it's great to take advantage of sales. I agree with you. Um, and I've done it too. But it should bring you pause. It's like, wait, so like if I don't jump on that, like that's just gone forever or for some whatever amount of time. And I just think it shows a major hole in, you know, in, in, in these, the, these gaming platforms like Steam, like, uh, like Epic, uh, like EA, like GOG, whatever, uh, where, where this is, this is the thing. And you know, a lot of, t- and you'll see the, the, the conversations on this account where people are saying like, okay, we're trying to figure out why this happened. Cause there's times where you can explain why a game got taken down, but then there's other times where it's like, wait, w- why do this? This, this, this doesn't make any sense, uh, at all. And it is a weird thing. Um, you know, that, that it happens. And I, and I, I mean, I don't like it. I, I'm yeah. It's down the memory hole. Right. You know? I, yeah. yeah. And, and, and another prime example of this, they don't even have to delist the game. Great example of this the uh, the the tie-in game for the the movie Tron Legacy. Um, I forget the oh, name yeah. of it, but uh, uh, Tron Evolution. Tron Evolution, yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, initially, um, uh, you know, they had it up on 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 Steam, and uh, they ran out of keys, but it was <laughs> still for sale. 
And so you couldn't activate the game. And then they resolved that problem. And then mm-hmm. just recently, you're within the last year, uh, they they did something. They, they I think it was because of games for Windows Live, because that was a component of the yes. game. And when they took that out, it broke the game. And they still haven't fixed it. The uh, game's unplayable in any fashion, unless you're playing it on a console. I mean, folks, and, and you realize the amount of money you're putting down for these games. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't. It's the future, and I just don't like the fucking direction. And no, the, the argument for physical games, as far as like limited run games and some other companies, for, I mean, because then it turns into a problem for like, the consoles themselves and, and so on, because you still have to get DLC and all this, and that's not on the cartridge or the disc or whatever. I mean, there's an argument for having, you know, physical games, but it's only when the game works perfectly off of the disc or cartridge or whatever, uh, with everything included on that. And most of the time, unless it's a, an older game, that's not the situation. That's not how that works. Go ahead. There's even controversy in that now that I've recently discovered. Because oh. I mean, like like you, um, you know, I'm betting on retro gaming. In fact, I've, yes. I've slammed down some some pretty hard money <laughs> during COVID on retro gaming. Oh and... man, folks, let me tell you, <laughs> this man owns a museum. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen some of the most beautiful machines of the past decades uh, in his possession. It's amazing. Continue. Yeah, I, there's one you haven't even seen yet that's coming in too. Oh, jeez. Don't, don't give me a hard on while we're recording live. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I'm part of a, you know, there's a, there's a group I follow that, that is basically dedicated to big box PC games. Uh-huh. And apparently some of these people are like kind of annoyed, like when, you know, games get republished through limited run because it's, you know, lowering the perceived value of those classic games that are going for, you know, hundreds of bucks on eBay now. Yeah. Well, I mean, how do you feel about that? I honestly, like, I get where they're coming from, but the, like, I, I honestly just cannot give a shit. Yeah. I really? Yeah. You know, like this, this, cause the whole, uh, basically what their argument comes down to is IP. Right. Right. Yeah. Because uh, I, I don't, I don't want to get sidetracked, but cause we, we do have a couple other things we want to talk about. Um, but like, I have a problem with this in like the movie space. Uh, or, you know, with film, because there are people who say have like a work print of a, you know, 130 minute version of Sylvester Stallone's Cobra. And there's no reason you can't put it online and they just won't because they just want this like artificial scarcity around it. Right. You know, um, and, and that happens with a lot of movies and obviously yeah. like people are mad about it with games too. They want, in fact, there, well, there was, there was, go ahead. Well, that's the thing too, is, is, you know, it's like it's, it stopped to them. It's become an investment. Now it stopped being about the games right. and they're now protecting their investments. Yeah. I'm sorry, but you've lost the plot. Yeah. <laughs> the plot and the point. Uh, this was supposed to be fun folks. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I get where they're coming from too, but yeah, I, I can't get behind them on that. Like no. that, that, that somehow, you know, to be, to be mad about it. Now, uh, granted, now granted, I think they do have a point with some of these people are basically creating, uh, 
bootleg copies of games and selling them off as the real thing on eBay, that is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially, yeah, no, that can be a problem, right? If you're not getting the genuine article like you want, that can be right. a very You're being issue. deceived. But there are yes. also people that are making reproductions and they're specifically saying this is a reproduction. Oh, I, and I, I fully, I don't see, I don't see a problem with that. And people are trying to make this, you know, you know, historical argument about it. And I'm thinking, no, wait a minute. People buy replica historical artifacts all the time. Right. This is yes. a thing. This is like a legitimate thing. Yeah. I mean, we, we can't all have, you know, statues of uh, Pharaoh Akhenaten, you know, because there's only like five of them. <laughs> so we got, we got to make replicas uh, if we want them in our house. And uh, if, if I ever walked in a house and somebody had one of those, we're going to have a conversation. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, I do this uh, with, with PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 because I can think of plenty of games uh, in fact, a lot of times you get where there's, they do the reproduction of the Japanese version and they'll bake in the homebrew, uh, English translations into a physical disc. And that's an improvement upon the model. Uh, like police knots is one, the one example of that. And I love that. I, yeah, I buy from, they're like on Etsy and all over the place, even though people have been kind of going after them for that. Uh, I think as long as it works with free McBoot, I don't care. Like great. Right. You know, I, I, I think that's phenomenal. I mean, would you argue against like what Terra onion or analog are doing with making, uh, you know, consoles or components for consoles that allow you to play all of the ROMs in perfect emulation? No. Why the fuck would you do that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Every, you know what it feels like? Here's what it feels like. Everybody's just lost sight of the point of video games. You know, like, I mean, the, from the developers to, I mean, just, yeah, it's turtles all the way down. It's about the games, dummy. Yeah, right. It's It was supposed to be fucking fun. And yeah, that, 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 that's bullshit on their part. Like, I mean, that's great. I'm glad they enjoy their big box. Well, then you enjoy it. It shouldn't be right. a, a goddamn investment, uh, to where, you know, you can sell it off for a couple million bucks in 10 years. Give me a break. Um, well, anyway. So, uh, interesting conversation to have there that we did not plan on, <laughs> but that's why I was glad that we opened up the format on the show so that we can get into this kind of shit, you know, and, and, and it fits, um, speaking though, actually, I guess we'll, if you we want to shift gears, Rob, I mean, basically star yeah. Wars squadrons, maybe. Um, but, uh, I mean, a quick shot of news is that, uh, episode one racer, which was supposed to come out. We talked about this. This was getting re-released on. Uh, I think PlayStation 4 and Switch uh, is originally supposed to drop on May 12th. It was delayed due to, apparently, COVID-19, which is fine. Uh, it is now coming out on June 23rd, so just a few days after this episode of TIE Fighter Renegades drops. Uh, I think that uh, that's a game that I can recommend without reservation on whatever platform you happen to play it. Go ahead and grab it and have a great time. Um, and that's a, I mean, that's a genuinely great Star Wars game um, and sold a lot of N64s back in the day, I think. Uh, would you agree, Rob? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is a, just an easy, easy pick. I think it's going to sell for 15 bucks. What the hell? You know, at least you're guaranteed a good time. You can't say that for squadrons. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess to, well, to get into a couple other things quick, uh, I did read it came out earlier this month in june and i know rob you're going to be reading it so we'll save the big review for a later episode um but ek johnston's uh sequel to uh queen's shadow which was a surprise great book 
uh, that came out in 2019. Um, I, I was completely surprised that it was great. Uh, but of course that speaks to the strength of the character of, uh, you know, Padme. Um, this is a direct sequel and it's also a direct prequel to a prequel. Um, it's a direct prequel to episode one. I mean, and, and it runs concurrently at, when it gets later on in the book with episode one. Um, I, I can recommend this book. I think it's a fine book to read. It's definitely the best Star Wars book I think we've gotten this year so far. Um, not that there have been a whole lot throughout 2020 for varying reasons, um, but I, I think it's a it's a great read. Um, we'll we'll get into a deeper review later on. But if you're looking, if you're hankering for some Star Wars novelization, uh, this is one to go. And the audiobook is actually read by the uh, the woman who did the voice work for Padme in, uh, the Clone Wars series. And, uh, and it really like, it definitely brings the book far more to, to life. Um, again, uh, just an incredibly enjoyable read. Uh, you really do. I'll tell you this much when you go into it, you really need to know your episode one. Like you need to know that movie pretty well. Um, which I was surprised by because normally a, a novel that is even any way attached to a movie holds your hand a lot. As to where this one basically expects you to know exactly everything that happened in episode one. And it has later on scenes that intersperse with what's going on in the movie of episode one itself. So it's kind of an attempt, I think, maybe to add some uh, some texture and richness and color to uh, to the movie of episode one, uh, which I think some people would probably think is a fine and dandy thing. Um, and if you're if you're one of those. This is definitely a book uh, to pick up. You don't need to read Queen Shadow to appreciate everything going on here, um, but because it has a lot to do with Padme's election into Queendom. Um, but it, yeah, very worthwhile read. There's some real surprises. We'll save it for the bigger review. But I mean, there are some very, very big surprises, uh, not just Star Wars related, but just like like uh, uh, literature related that I that I didn't even realize before. So I, I think anybody that picks it up will enjoy it. So very worthwhile read there uh, with E.K. Johnston's uh, work, Queen's Peril. Um, got another, actually, there's the Alexander Freed, the sequel to Alphabet Squadron is coming out this month as well. I will give it a listen, but not feeling too hopeful about that. How about you, Rob? Um, that, that's going to be a hard pass for me. <laughs> the last one was so terrible. Yeah, I, I, I don't yeah, know if I can stomach yeah. that again. I mean, and it's so long, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's such a lengthy book. Uh, I don't know. Well, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll probably, probably talk about that in the next episode a bit. Uh, but some interesting news, or at least some rumors, uh, is that there are a lot of shows being planned by Disney for Disney plus, and particularly a lot of star Wars shows. Of course, there's a lot of shows getting planned for Disney plus. Um, it sounds like Disney plus is a success. Have you gotten that gist Rob? I guess. I mean, I know the Mandalorian has been a success. They consider that a success. Yeah. I don't know that any numbers have been published, and I doubt they ever will be. But um, you know, uh, apparently there it, it's it's proven its viability at this point, and they're willing to go all in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't get the same vibe of you know, they don't know what they're doing or they're concerned, which is a vibe that I get from CBS all access, um, which of course is Ooh, doing their boy. major rebrand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're pushing that hard too this week. 
Oh, with that Star Trek United? Yeah. Yeah, that's it's very bad. It's mm-hmm. not, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we might talk about that in, 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 a, in a little bit here, but um, uh, God damn it. Anyway, um, <laughs> so <laughs> there is a rumor uh, from LRMonline.com. Take that for what you will. Apparently, they have a contact at Lucasfilm. Uh, who has gotten access to the uh, state secrets that are only, uh, uh, you know, printed out on typewriter. Um, (laughs) However that works out. Uh, But, uh, and so take these with a grain of salt, but I do think that they are interesting. I mean, the gist that, and I'll link the article in the show notes. There's, there's going to be a couple of them. Um, The gist that Disney wants you to have new Star Wars coming out all the time. I believe that. I I think they firmly believe that they need to do that, especially for Disney Plus to continue to be viable and successful. Would you agree with that, Rob? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't doubt that attitude, whether or not the shows that this person apparently was told are are in the works uh, are happening. That's a whole other conversation to have. Um, But the uh, the planned shows here, and and actually, it's more than just planned shows. It's like an actual vision. It's a plan, all supposedly being masterminded by Dave Filoni. Now, when I hear that, it makes me feel like, okay, you know, this is just what we all want, you know. But that doesn't mean that that's what Disney would do, right? Um, it sounds, it's almost sounds too good to be true that they're letting Filoni have his own little, you know, integrated universe with all of these, uh, live action shows. How do you feel about that part, Rob? Um, I mean, yeah, if, 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 uh, Dave Filoni is basically going to be like, what's his name from Marvel? Um, I'm okay with that. Oh, if he's like the, the Kevin Feige of. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm okay with it too. I just don't know that. I just have a hard time believing that Disney would do the right thing, you know, I, but maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the, the thing like, well, these, these, these aren't new. Some of these are not new rumors either. They've been right. floating around for, for at least a month or two already. Um, sure. Uh, and on it, like, yeah, that's, that's the thing is it, I don't want to like fall prey to wishful thinking. Um, mm-hmm. yet the other rumor that, that I don't know if they mentioned in these articles that I've heard is, is that we're not going to get another star Wars, you know, feature film until 2024, which, Whoa. yeah, I mean, honestly, they need to take a break. Oh, I, I agree they need that to, they, they need, they need yeah. to step the fuck back. Yeah, I agree. They need to take a break, but that seems like, I just, I don't know. I have a hard time believing Disney would think that that's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. You think it's a good idea. Most people you ask probably would think it's a good idea, but Disney, I just, Hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. So take this with a grain of salt, but I mean, let's break them down. Uh, the, the supposedly leaked or planned shows, of course, one of them is the Mandalorian, which that's not really a leak, (laughs) you know, like we, we know (laughs) uh, how well that's doing. Go ahead. I think they included that because the, the, it's supposed to be the Mandalorian is supposed to be part of this star Wars Baloneyverse, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I mean, that makes sense. Um, so the second show on the list is the Ahsoka Tano show. Uh, Ahsoka Tano show. Now, while I would love for her to do a Johnny Carson impression, um, I assume that's not going to be the title. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 I, I just want her to have Darth Maul, have, have a seat with her, you know? It's like, so, Maul. <laughs> you know, anyway. Uh, tell us about Savage. No, it, it, but... um. 
Ahsoka Tano is confirmed. Of course, we talked about this in the last episode of TIE Fighter Renegades is confirmed to be in season two of the Mandalorian. Um, so it being a launching pad for her own show, I think that makes all the sense in the world. I could believe it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking too, is, is that the Mandal her appearance in the Mandalorian is basically going to be the big gateway to her having her own show. Right. Um, and this is just a fan winner. I mean, if you're looking to win over fans who even, you know, slightly younger, who perhaps grew up with the Clone Wars, you know, and thought it made sense when, when Jar Jar would come on, you know, uh, then yeah, yeah, I, I think this is just, why wouldn't you, you know, even if it's just a limited run, like do it. Um, so I, I think that's kind of believable. A Boba Fett show. Uh, I want it myself, yeah. but I don't know. What do you think, Rob? Uh, I I kind of want it. Um, the thing is, is we already know that there was going to be a Boba Fett movie at one Correct. time. Right. And uh, my longstanding theory was is that they were going to take story elements from the, the canceled Star Wars 1313 video game and turn that into a movie of some kind. Uh, and I was all for that. And and there right. was some credence to those rumors because Kathleen Kennedy you know, said that she was aware of the game and that they still had plans for that content in one form or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, all that ha- stuff happened with, uh, uh, which is Josh Trank. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, that movie got canceled. Um, I don't know that, like if this is true and then there's going to be a Boba Fett show, I don't know that this is going to have any lineage with that though, because I don't see how any of that fits in with this timeline of this Filoniverse. Cause it all seems like it's going to be taking place within this period of five years after return of the Jedi. Yeah. So, okay. A couple things. It's a great point. Um, I mean, now is, has it been confirmed? Has it been, con- been confirmed that Boba Fett is going to be in season two of the Mandalorian? No, I, well, it's been rumored. Yeah. I think it's been heavily rumored. Yeah. And there's been casting rumors about it too, because the, the guy who plays, uh, uh, Django, uh, is, is, is been cast apparently. I don't know that that's necessarily been confirmed, but that's, that's out there that, that he has been cast. Okay. So I could imagine where they if if Boba Fett is in season two of The Mandalorian, where they would do like a show that leads up to whatever the hell he's doing in season two of The Mandalorian. And we know from actually from last year's Star Wars celebration, I think it was, uh, we know that Filoni is very aware of 1313. Um right. because he he tried to make a comment about it, but um Wicket there wouldn't uh, <laughs> wouldn't let him <laughs> wouldn't let him say it, uh, and the fans reacted heavily to it as well when they they recognized you know when he said thirteen thirteen or whatever that that was that was a thing and it's been used a bunch of times or like thirteen fourteen's been used, uh, you know and and so on, um, so I, I could see it uh, I I don't know this one's a little hard to believe uh, well because, and the, go ahead. and then you also have the the appearance of this mystery character in one of the episodes of the Mandalorian where the guy shows up with the you know the the boots with spurs and a cape at the end of the episode oh uh, right and takes away what's her name uh Ming-Na yes yeah yeah exactly yes uh yeah that that could get interesting 
that could be Boba Fett. That could yeah. be so all kinds here of again, things. Yeah, once again, once again, you you could have where where the Mandalorian is going to be basically a jumping off point for for a lot of the stuff we're talking about. Yeah. Now the next one on the list is the Ezra Bridger and Grand Admiral Thrawn uh, show, and I mean it basically sounds like a remake of Hard Castle and McCormick, but uh, no, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> ooh, deep cut. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Uh, great theme song though. Anyway, uh, but this, this one, I, I mean, this is just a no brainer. Th- this has obviously been yeah. planned since rebels. Right. Uh, and there's, and there's been rumors floating around about this one too, for a long time. And, and, and I think, I don't think this is actually going to be a live action. I think this is the next thing to come out of, you know, Lucasfilm animation. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I don't see where this, I, I just can't see this fitting in, uh, or them doing live action with this. Uh, right. Because and we know that. And- they're not doing anything right now because they've they, we've confirmed that they've wrapped up Clone Wars and there aren't any plans to do more. So right, yeah, it's just it's the most recognizable way to, especially for newer fans, to you know see Ezra and Grand Admiral Thrawn. I just I think there would be too much, it'd be too much of a shock to see them in live action. You've got to develop the characters more in the new canon and with the new fan, somewhat of a new fan base or a younger fan base, uh, I think to, to really make that happen. Now you did link me to another article from the same website where the claim is, is that this show is going to take elements from Timothy Zahn's original Thrawn trilogy, beginning with heir to the empire. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I think that could fucking mean anything because frankly, yeah. rebels took elements from all that, like the Yosemari, you know, right. and, uh, and, well, and so we, on. We know Filoni loves the, the EU, you know, right. like there was one point where he was going to put the, the Yuzan Vong into mm-hmm. Clone Wars. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I mean, I love Filoni and, and he can do whatever he wants, but, uh, Disney dodged a bullet with that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. Although I mean, I mean I like, Go ahead. I, I, I mean, Filoni, in my opinion is, is, is proven his ability to basically turn any old turd into solid gold. He's got the Midas touch to a degree. So I'm not saying that he couldn't do something with it, but yeah, it is kind of hard to imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't like I, I enjoyed a lot of the new Jedi Order books um, where the Yuzen Vong were the main uh, villain. But I mean, the critique that the Yuzen Vong were basically space Muslims and were meant to be derogatory in that sense is not unfounded. And so yeah. I, I, that's 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 part of why I say like, I mean, and I and I think Filoni would would introduce them in a way that, you know, maybe was more respectful or a little bit different. Um but yeah, Disney dodged a bullet with that one. I don't, I don't, I don't know if they're ever going to bother to touch that again, uh, good or bad. So anyway, um, yeah, I mean, what do you think about elements with the, with, you know, from the original, uh, Thrawn trilogy? What do you, how do you think that's going to take any kind of shape? I mean, I don't know, but like, like, yeah, it's, it's inevitable. Like I said, knowing, knowing the depth of Dave's knowledge of star Wars Mm -hmm. pass and just all of the things he has to draw on, and to to make his own, uh, yeah. I, like I said, it's inevitable that it, eventually they were going to get around to uh, uh, drawing upon that body of work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now I guess we can go to the next show, and then I want to kind of talk about them on a, on a broader scale. Uh, and the last one is just a new character show, and they don't know uh, what it is, but apparently it's some like a 
I'm guessing they mean that it's a totally new character um, that we've never experienced before, which or I could would be. Yeah, it could be a, a character that, you know, hasn't been seen in live action yet or in some other, you know, video form. Right, right. So, I mean, that, fine. You know, Either way, like, I'm, I'm fine with all of that. Uh, I'd be fine with them taking the risk of creating a new character. Obviously, it worked pretty damn well with Rebels. Um, you know, let, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, live action or animated. I don't I don't care either either way they want to go. Um now they did at the end of the article, they did mention that Obi-Wan is apparently still on, uh, mm-hmm. and they didn't put it in the list and part of the Floniverse because it's going to be a one-off. It's going to be, right. you know, and which that's fine too. I'm okay yeah. with that news. And that's yeah. something that's been mentioned before is, is that this is based, the Obi-Wan, uh, is basically going to be like a mini series. It's not an actual TV show. It once it has its run of however many, you know, six to eight episodes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that makes sense for a lot of reasons. I mean, you've got to be able to afford you and McGregor for one. Um, and I think being as limited as you can keeps you from tarnishing one of the last remaining really beloved characters, uh, and and a character that really hasn't been tarnished at all, in my opinion, with anything that Disney's done in Obi Wan Kenobi. Right. Um, in fact, maybe but even a, the opposite. Go ahead. But a, uh, according to Ian McGregor, um, they will be sharing production assets with the Mandalorian in terms of, yeah. you know, like last time we talked about, uh, the volume right. and uh, that technology, you know, behind the Mandalorian, apparently they're going to using the same stuff to, uh, in the Obi-Wan series. And, uh, he sounds really excited about it. Well, he's gotta be because that guy had to deal with so much goddamn blue screen and green screen. Oh, screen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. wow. You know, <laughs> I did uh, want to comment though with on yeah. this, this new character show. Um, I don't know if this is going to be the case. This is just wild speculation on my part. But I honestly got to say, they would be stupid not to do something uh, with the Dr. Afra character in live action in some form someday. Yeah. Now, this is interesting because she is getting a jump to, I'm glad you brought that up. And I agree with you. And I think they are grooming this situation because... In July, and this came out of nowhere, I didn't see any announcement for it or anything, and I keep an eye on these things, um, they are releasing uh, an audible, um, like an audiobook story, and it's only an audiobook for right now anyway, uh, about Dr. Afra, and it's Total Surprise coming out in July. I mean, it just got like yeah. dropped out of nowhere. I have it pre-ordered, but... Um, well, they've done this kind of thing before, like they did with the the, the Duke Jedi, Jedi Lost. Lost. Yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and that worked, and I thought... Yeah, I actually, it, it was good. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I, I enjoyed that as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to this with Dr. Afra, uh, but I think that might be pointing at where, yes, they are looking to groom this character to, to finally leap beyond the comic books. Uh, and this is kind of step one. And, and I think it's a good, it's a good route to go because you can bring voice as in literal, uh, you know, sound waves. Okay. Um, that you could start to relate to the character more off of the page. And it's not as, cause I think there is something jarring to a character jumping from instantaneously from one medium to the next. If you don't have enough introduction to the character now, crazy comic book readers like ourselves, um, you know, know Dr. Afro very well. And I don't think it'd be jarring for us, but for everybody else, I think it could be. And yeah. so I appreciate the slow burn of getting people used to like new elements. Like, like I think it is now Ahsoka Tano's time 
to appear in live action where mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't there before. Now mm-hmm. it is. And certainly with season seven of Clone Wars as well. Um, so yeah, yeah. And, and that, that part of what Disney's doing, I can, I can respect and, and appreciate how that's going. Uh, but yeah, Dr. Afro show that that'd be a great pick. Oh yeah. Um, that'd be hot. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, and, and bring in, uh, bring in the Tolvin, you know, let's, yep. let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I mean the, the, the actress list alone for Tolvin, uh, that, that would be very interesting. So, um, yeah, uh, as far as like any other character I can think of off the top of my head that I want to see, uh, that maybe isn't like an old character that would end up being a new character show. Um, the only thing I could really think of, I mean, while they're fucking pulling shit supposedly from the Thrawn trilogy, uh, let's finally bring in Mara Jade for fuck's sake. It feels like Disney just doesn't want to, or it's an ace yeah. holding up their sleeve. The problem, well, the problem with that is, is, is her, her character is so tied up with the legacy of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. I mean, I still think there's stories to tell, just like I want Luke Skywalker stories between, you know, Force Awakens Mm -hmm. and, and Return of the Jedi. And I think there's, there's decades there to explore. Um, I mean, it would be be the right time. This would be the right timeline because she, she did appear, you know, a few years after the, 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 the battle of Endor within, you know, the, the EU timeline. Right. Okay. Now here, here you go, Disney. Okay. This is, this is a winner. All right. Because she's the emperor's hand. So you get to put the emperor in it and you know, everybody loves it when the, well, okay, never mind. Rise of Skywalker ruined that. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, everybody loves it when the emperor shows up. Nope. Uh, <laughs> uh, when he's planned to show up, we, we, we the emperor does well. Um, <laughs> I mean, like so, when he announces himself to the universe and lets everybody know he's coming in Fortnite. Yes. Uh, (laughs) but only when he does it in Fortnite. (laughs) Um, anyway, (laughs) okay, let's just run with it. Amara Jade show. You have Amara Jade show. It has instant history. You're going to, you're going to get a lot of fans to come back to see, okay, what are they going to do with this character? Very beloved character of the EU. Even got her own video game. She's that damn good. Um, and then that gives you the opportunity with Amara Jade show to introduce, um, Luke Skywalker, because that's got to happen, but it's your new actor, whoever that happens to be. It's your younger actor. And then that gives you in 2024, that gives you your Luke Skywalker movie helmed by Dave Filoni, which is the only way that people are going to trust the Luke Skywalker film. Uh, mm. and so I don't know. What do you think, Rob? Yeah. Yeah. Billion dollar I, idea. Billion dollar idea. Go yeah. Ahead. I just, I hear, you know, I'm going to come back to something you said, and this is that I, I just can't trust Disney to, to do the <laughs> right thing in this case. Um, I agree. What I will say is, is what, what having her character opens up another opportunity too, in that you could open up more. Well, you could bring in the, the, the secret order of the empire or the Sith eternal, if you want to prefer Oh, wait, aren't we supposed to get an Exegol show? Isn't that something happening? I haven't heard. That's news to me. I, I think we're supposed to get an ex. I, I thought I saw a news clip about that, that we're, mm. we're going to be getting a show that takes place on Exegol. Maybe it was just rumors, but no, you're totally right. You, you could absolutely tie in that shit. Uh, if Disney has the guts with, with Mara Jade, um, that's a great point. Um, 
yeah. So anyway, that that's that's my thought on a new character show. Uh, they did mention in this article also quickly. They did mention the Cassian Andor show, which I you know I think that got tanked. I mean, are they no. even are 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 they no. in pre production? I I thought that they they had already filmed it. They filmed it. You might yeah. be right. You might you you absolutely yeah, might be right it, about that. I think it's in post. It's in post. I was amazed. They they said that they are doing like all post production for Mandalorian season two from home. Yeah, like because doing it Bob all Iger talked about it in his interview with the Star Wars show and everything. I mean, like they're 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 counting on that to 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 generate some you know some more interest for Disney Plus because that's you know supposedly the the next show up. Well, okay, so we got a story from April twelfth, twenty twenty, that had six weeks of pre production before shutdown. So that's where we're at. Oh, okay, so they shut down during COVID. Yeah, I mean, if they only have six yeah. weeks of pre-production, I don't know, man. I, I, uh, I, I could see where they would can that. I mean, you're getting you're getting very far away from Rogue One to where I think people would even care. Do you, you get what I mean? Like, the show really should yeah. came out after yeah. like a, within a year of Rogue One coming out, right? Well, that was the, th- the weird thing about that, too, is because when when they had that interview with Bob Iger talking about it, he didn't even refer to it as, you know, the, the casting and or sh- series. He called it Rogue One 2. <laughs> the, or the, Rogue on the, One sequ- the, Ro- the Rogue One sequel. He didn't say Rogue One 2, but he, he called it the Rogue One sequel. And, it's a thing, you know, like when I first heard that, I was like going, wait, what the fuck is he talking about? And like, then yeah, right. it you know, dawned on me. He's like, oh, he's talking about the, the, the Cassian Andor show. See, that's the thing. Like, this was a show that I feel like was meant to appease because a lot of even people who are very critical of Disney's run of Star Wars. Have A lot of us have all said, I mean, and I agree, like Rogue One's awesome or it's good. Anyway, it's very good. Probably the best Star Wars movie they've done. Mm-hmm. Um and so I feel like that was a announcement to appease that crowd. Yeah. Um, and you know, and to get that crowd excited and yeah, I just, I wouldn't be surprised if that got canned now that the Mandalorian's done so well. Um, of course they're I canning think, shit all the time. I mean, yeah, left and yeah right. I mean, sure. I mean the, the, uh, what, Benny off and Weiss, their, right. their shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what, Still what's Ryan Johnson? About, yeah, exactly. That's just yeah. going to say that. Yeah, I mean, so th- so they will can shit. Uh, yeah, so I don't- yeah, and 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 it's. I mean, we we've talked about this before, but you know, like there were hints that uh, you know there were deals for for more solo movies, or at least more movies with those characters in them. And right. I think it was confirmed that you know the actress who played Emphasis Nest, Nest did have a three picture deal. Right. Yeah, and I mean, there was going to be a Job of the Hut movie. Like, there really was. And I'm actually not opposed to that, but there was going to be one, <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, well, yeah, things will get canceled. So, I don't know. But, I mean, what do you, what do you think about this this lineup of shows about this Filoni-verse? I know the idea of the Filoni-verse is great. I know you, you probably yeah. feel the same way. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, this lineup that you see, I mean, does this inspire confidence? Is this like, yeah, this is a good direction? What do you think, Rob? Yeah, to a certain degree, it, it, I, I'm here again, you know, with all things Disney, cautiously optimistic. Uh, I, I think a lot of this makes sense, mm-hmm. the way that it's being presented. 
No so brainers. I'm, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So e- even though we don't have any confirmations and I'm, you know, we, we preface this by saying take it with a grain of salt. It's 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 all very plausible. You could de- logically deduce how, like I said before, that the Mandalorian could be the jumping off point for a lot of these shows. And, you know, you could easily like a lot of these write themselves. Right. Especially the Ezra Bridger and Grand Admiral Thrawn. I mean, like that that's already like halfway written in our brains anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and that's just something that, that needs, I mean, it, it's just this thread hanging that, that mm-hmm. needs to be taken care of, you know? Uh, and it's so, it's so tantalizing. Um, yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent on that. And you know, I, okay. A thought just occurred to me I'm, very quickly. I'm just going to say it as far as a new character show that I think would be that, that could actually generate a lot of, a lot of heat, uh, and a lot of interest. I think and we don't know the ultimate fate of, uh, Sabe, right. From, mm-hmm. uh, right now she's in the Darth Vader comic, right. She's a main part of EK Johnston's Queens novels. Um, we don't know if she's dead or alive come post return of the Jedi. Uh, I think if you, well, I mean, basically they already contract Natalie Portman anyway, Did but they if really? you, well, I, I mean, not, not with, not with star Wars with Marvel. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah, you're, yeah, no, you're with, right. Yeah, because yeah. they're making that. They're making the. They're, they're making a the, a Thor movie with another one with her. Uh, right. Where she's like Asgardia or whatever the hell. Well, um, she's taking over the role of Thor. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like she did in the comics. Right, which is fine. I'm I'm totally fine with that. Right. Even though I don't give a shit about Marvel. Um, I think that's great. So either bring. I mean, so Disney already does deals with her. They can already write her a paycheck. Uh, I would love a Sabe show. Um, or, I mean, or, you know what, bring in Kira Knightley if you can, uh, you yeah. know, I mean, those, those are both huge names. I say, why go with Natalie Portman when you can go with the, the, the real deal that was in episode one. Right. Right. Have Kira Knightley come in. Um, I mean, she's doing like, I don't know, her movies aren't exactly like the biggest things going on right now. I, I know, I think but people can... still recognize her name. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you got real name recognition there. Uh, I think that it. I think that could be a real winner, um, and would be a great continuation of the legacy of Padme. Fact, I would think she would be more eager to do it than even Natalie Portman, because I know I Natalie agree. Portman does not have fond memories of Star Wars. Exactly, Whereas and that's, Knightley probably could use a boost to her career right now. Precisely, precisely my point, and 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 that's I would love to see that. Uh, I I mean I'm totally, especially when you explore the character of Sabe in these novels, and even what they've done so far in Darth Vader, I thought was very interesting. If she survives, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I think it. And actually, there's other handmaidens too. So you know, I mean, yeah. take a pick, I guess. Um, I think that could be a very very interesting uh, uh, show. And again, you get name recognition. There, there's just a lot of press that could happen around that, um, and I'd be on board for it. So, well, once again, Brian, you're making making way too much sense here. I mean, you, you have to put a stop to this, you know, logic and and you know, good ideas. God damn it! See, if you have good ideas, you can't get in Hollywood. Like that just doesn't happen. <laughs> or or into the games industry. Yeah, or you can't get into the you're exactly. Oh man. Well. <laughs> <laughs> You know, actually, to play off of that, let let's segue into our picks of uh, picks of the episode here. Ooh, um, if you, yeah, so, and I'm going to segue in this. I'll I'll start off with mine, Rob, and then we'll get into yours because yours is actually a mystery to me. Um, it's it's very rare that I look at something 
And I go, especially something that maybe I think Rob would pick. And I go, I don't know what the hell that is. And I don't think I know what the hell this is that Rob's going to talk about. Yeah, it's pretty obscure. Sure. So I love it. I'm going to get a little education here myself. Um, But my pick of the week, speaking of how to do things right after the fact, okay, or how to continue a character and do it right, unlike, say, Star Trek Picard, (sighs) you got to take a deep breath every time you mention that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Mm, Or deep shit. Otherwise, you'll tears <laughs> what did they do <laughs> but anyway um so a character and and i i said this is a segue because you know i feel like natalie portman isn't happy with what ended up happening with the character of padme and so on and she has you know bad blood with star wars i guess to whatever that looks like um she obviously won't be at star wars celebration anytime soon um like I, I, I get the idea that maybe characters don't go out the way that actors want them to, or that the actors might feel like, no, nah, you know, we could have done something more or could have gone this direction or whatever. Now, sometimes here, here's, here's the, here's the rub on this because you know, the concern is, is that Patrick Stewart, right? Um, he wanted Picard to go in the direction that he did in Star Trek Picard. Uh, boy, I wish someone would have talked him off that ledge. You know, and, yeah. <laughs> and said, no, 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 Pat, don't, don't do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but nobody talked him off the ledge. The thing is, is that while I understand, because a lot of people make the critique against Star Trek Picard, that this is what happens when you give actors control of something, you know, uh, where really professional writers or whoever should actually, or the visionary creator should really be in charge of what's being done, you know, and the actor just needs to basically act it out, um, and maybe do it very well, which Patrick Stewart at one point did. Um, I get that, but I think there's a bit of a debunking to that. And that debunking is actually William Shatner's treatment of his own character of captain Kirk after star Trek generations. Um, I feel like the things that he did with, and of course his ghostwriters were Judith and Garfield Reeves Stevens, but the things that he did with the novels, which are popularly called the Shatner verse, uh, were all the right moves. I mean, in fact, they weren't just, I mean, they were brilliant. They weren't even just the right moves. They were fucking brilliant. And it's great Star Trek. I have regularly stated that I think the Shatner verse novels are quite simply the best Star Trek novels, uh, ever written. And I mean, they, they, they do after like the first three, they start to taper off and kind of, they're not as exciting, but they're still really, really great. And actually Picard is great in them too. But, um, the first three novels are, uh, the ashes of Eden, the return, which is where basically Kirk comes back to life after the events of what happens in Star Trek generations. And then there's one after that called Avenger. Now this is called the Odyssey trilogy and actually on paperback. Now, of course, Rob and I do videos, so you can't really see this. Um, but I'm just holding it up. I mean, this is a massive tome of the first three novels of the Shatnerverse and it's officially called Star Trek Odyssey. And this is just, if you love Star Trek and if you, you know, if you have been very much burned like myself and I'm sure Rob as well by what CBS has done with Star Trek, this is the sequel series you've always wanted. 
And I mean, when you get into the later Shatterverse novels, you are going to end up with Janeway and everybody. I mean, they're all there. Uh, it really, really does a tremendous job. Um, and just brilliant ideas, even outside, not just the fact that it's Star Trek, but like brilliant philosophical I- ideas, I think it laid out um, in these books. So if you've never had the pleasure of reading William Shatner's uh, continuation of his character with the Shatnerverse of James T. Kirk, uh, you are in for an absolute treat when you read these books, especially the first three. They are fan, absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I can't recommend them enough. And proof that when a character really, or when an, even when an actor or when somebody like Shatner you know, when they really understand what their character is and what it brings to the table, that it can be done right. You can continue their story even into, dare I say, their advanced years. Um, so, yeah, it really debunks. I mean, like people can say, well, there's because the argument that gets brought up even by Michael Chabon about Star Trek Picard is that, well, nobody could really recapture the next generation. That is pure horseshit. And. I think that the Shatnerverse novels recapture the next generation and recapture the original series in full glory. Um, and, and it just debunks everything that every argument that CBS makes. It's like when Kathleen Kennedy says, well, trilogies are hard. No, they're not. You just got to have a fucking vision. Well, Shatner's a guy that did have a vision. So, and, and, and I definitely recommend reading it with, um, uh, with the Star Trek Odyssey trilogy. We'll call it that. Um, any thoughts on that, Rob? Excellent pick. Um, in fact, I, I actually have to get on that because I have the original hardbacks. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have a, you have a beautiful Star Trek uh, novel collection. Yeah. <laughs> One that I don't know that I'll ever even be able to complete in this lifetime. Yeah. Oh, there's so many, but they're, they're, there's the Star Trek novels. I mean, yeah, they're not all like great, but it, it it's at least Star Trek most of the time. Yeah. And which can't be said for what gets uh, schlepped off to people today. Um, yeah, so the other thing I'm going to bring up really quickly, just quick, and I did end up getting this DVD set, um, is uh, is Forever Night. Did, did you ever watch Forever oh. Night, Rob? Oh, of course I did. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it was because it was back to back with Highlander the series back in the day. Exactly, it was like the 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 immortal two hours on USA yes. Network. Yeah, that's what I always thought of it as. And I mean, it's about a vampire cop, but it's so much more, and and it's such a uh, it's such a brilliant show. Um, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm just, I'll, we could talk, I'm sure Rob and I will maybe do a review of that. Eventually we're going to get to the point where we review classic shit. We'll get there. And, and this is definitely going to be one of those things that we do. Um, I mean, you can get this for a song. You can get the DVDs if you want them. I, I think this was like 20 bucks. Like, I mean, it was nothing. And this show went three seasons. Uh, the DVD collection is i mean like the packaging is really poor but whatever for what you're getting i mean the entertainment alone uh just a tremendous series so do check that out and it, get it, it physical while you i can. mean and this and understand this was vampires before they got all sparkly and you know effeminate. yeah yeah this is vampires even before blade even though blade was really cool um i mean yeah just very very cool vampire shit uh very, i mean Lacroix, such a great villain oh i love that guy Nigel Bennett was such a great actor. I mean, so yeah, just so devious. And, yeah. and I mean, Oh, tremendous. I, yeah, actually LaCroix was, was basically the reason I watched the show. I thought he was great. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, tremendous little show. Do, do, do check that out. And like I said, you can really get it on the cheap if you want, uh, for all three seasons, not available on Blu-ray though. Unfortunately, believe me, I, I looked, um, anyway, so Rob, what do you got, man? We, 
So my uh, my pick for this month uh, is actually something that I was introduced to when I was like actually a young kid and uh, came through it. And it's, it's a, a series of uh, it's a trilogy of books, but it is also a video game. Oddly enough, that is the video game follows up the books. And I was originally introduced to this through the video game, which was called Below the Root on the Commodore 64, although I believe it was also on the PC and some other systems, but it looked best on the Commodore 64 because it's a full-color full color game. Right, know, as uh, many games did at the time. Yeah, yeah, whereas like the, I think the PC versions was limited to like four colors, and you know the, the this version was in the full eight-color, eight-bit, right. you know. Uh, and so... The, uh, the books actually uh, were written back in the late 70s by an author named, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, uh, Zilpha Keatley Snyder. Wow. Uh, and the, right. the, the, yeah, the, the first book shares the name with the game, Below the Root, and uh, is then followed up by the second book, uh, which is called All and Between, and is uh, finished out by the book uh, Until the Celebration. And the basic premise of this series is, is that uh, it takes place on a planet other than Earth, but the people living on it are, you know, humans. And we're kind of, it's, it's pretty much heavily implied that these people were essentially refugees from the planet Earth who left because, you know, the, the planet was in such a terrible state and there was, mm-hmm. you know, war and pollution and all this. I mean, I can't imagine anything like that actually happening, but you No, know, that wouldn't happen start... in 2020. I mean, right, you know. right. But, you know, we're just we're just, we're just going to go with it anyway. So, uh these people basically uh, you know, leave the planet Earth and uh arrive on this planet that they call Green Sky, which is, you know, because the planet has a green sky and uh, there are these massive trees that they live in. Kind of imagine like, you know, the Ewoks did in uh, Return of the Jedi. Right on. Or like Swiss Family and, Robinson. Right, yeah, yeah. And it, it is, it's, it's, it's a very, you know, like it's, it's, a, it's a technologically primitive society, but more, you know, somewhat more socially advanced. But there is a problem that comes in and basically, the, the, this is pretty much the, the, the crux of the entire series, is, is that uh, when they, they arrive at this planet, there is essentially two founders and what becomes two factions from these founders, and that one believes that they should, you know, all the people should remember and tell the story about where they came from and the reasons they left and why they've chosen to, you know, be a pacifist society now. And the other society is like, no, we, you know, we, we want to forget about all of that and put us behind us and you know, let the past be the past. And it ends up becoming where the, uh, the people that believe that, you know, the truth about their origins should be told are actually kind of uh, exiled from, you know, the main society and are actually forced yeah. to live underground. And basically, this the, the series of three books is a story about how basically these two cultures uh, are, you know, rediscover one another and try to reintegrate. And it deals with a lot of issues, kind of like what we're dealing with now with, you know, 
racism and prejudice and suspicion. And, uh, and, and interestingly enough, uh, by the end of the series, I just thought there was a really poignant and interesting point that it makes that has to deal with putting your faith and hope in leaders or symbols or things like that. Mm-hmm. And what happened was is that the author ended up deciding to do something with one of the main characters that she ended up feeling was a mistake. Having read the series now, I don't actually think it was a mistake. But it did lead to the creation of the video game in order to correct that mistake. Nah. And so the video game literally serves as a sequel to this trilogy. To and, correct what the author had done? Yeah, well, the author okay. wrote the, 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 the plot for the video game. She, right. she was deeply involved with the development. Um, and, and so they basically they just you decide to, she, she wanted to make an, an addendum to this, to this series that she had written to, to satisfy the fans who were kind of upset about how it ended. And uh, they they made this video game. And the game is great. Like like I said, this is how I was introduced to uh, this entire series was through the game. In fact, it's one of my f- very favorite games on the Commodore sixty four. In fact, uh, it it actually uh, you 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 could see easily how the style of this game ended up leading towards what you see in a lot of like modern side scrolling RPGs or yeah. even metroidvania games because it is very much in that style well i mean i'm happy to crank up the c64 mini anytime you know <laughs> any excuse i'll take uh, but the to- books are definitely worth the worth worth a read and and you could play the video game without the books and kind of you know get an understanding of what's going on but you know i i didn't read the books until much later after having you know i read the books when i was an adult right and i had played the game when i was a kid and and the books do lend a lot of depth and stuff that you're not going to get from the video game. I mean, that's pretty amazing to be, when did the game come out? Like 80 something? Yeah. 1984. 84. Yeah. It's pretty amazing to be doing that kind of multimedia stuff in the eighties. Right. Like, I mean, this is like par for the course today, um, done with varying degrees of success or lack thereof. Uh, that's, that's awesome. I love it. I, I, yeah, I can't believe I've never heard of this. I mean, I wasn't aware of the game or the, um, or the books and uh, yeah, I'm it's, totally going to jump on this. It's still pretty obscure. And I, I and unfortunately uh, it doesn't get the credit that it's due. Cause like I said, it really did kind of set the template for a lot of what would become just standards within both the, the you know, the, the video game industry. And like you said, with doing sort of, uh, um, multimedia, you know, trans- yeah, multimedia, transmedia sort of stuff. Yeah, that's remarkable. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm totally going to jump on this. And uh, the books, the the physical books are very hard to find, but they are available uh, uh, on Kindle. Okay, all right, or uh, Z Library, or no, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, um, yeah, well, I'm definitely jumping on these. I'm going to check them out. Um, actually, if there's audio books, I might grab those. I'll, I'll have. To I look. wish there was. I don't think there are. Oh, damn it. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that happens. 
real quick in fact great i'm glad we brought this up with the shatnerverse novels don't get the audiobooks they're abridged and they don't have half the fun yeah uh, that, so that's, skip that's on that unfortunately the case with a lot of those star trek audiobooks is a lot of the older of ones are, yeah like abridged and and really cut down yeah yeah i mean they do it right now but back then no they did not um but anyway, okay, so the Green, the Green Sky Trilogy and the game Below the Root for Commodore 64. Hell of a pick. Uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll get some eyes on what definitely sounds like, or I mean, as you expressed, Rob, that it, it, you know, not enough people, it's, it's too obscure. Like most people don't know about it. So hopefully people will get to know about it now. I love it. Um, well, I think that's about a show. I, mean, that's, I think it is. <laughs> got a lot to leave people with. Uh, so, and, and a lot to enjoy. Uh, if you happen to still be stuck at home, even though a lot of the, a lot of the world seems to be opening up. Um, and well, anyway, so uh, yeah, I will leave it at that and we will come back at you soon. Rob, as always, uh, you know, real quick, with with the temperature gauge with Star Wars, we we didn't do it this last last time. Let's do it quick. How you feeling? Mm, so so. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of pies in the oven right now, so yeah. uh, it's it's kind of hard to say. Yeah, it depends on how well those pies rise. I'm I'm right. with you on that. I'm I'm totally totally with you on that. Same thing. I'm feeling like I'm feeling not as depressed as after Rise of Skywalker, but. I'm also feeling like not exactly outside of the realm of apathy. So, right. And it's yeah. all about the execution. Yeah, there it is. There it is. And we'll certainly be keeping an eye on it. Um, anyway, that is it for this episode of TIE Fighter Renegades. We will see all of you on the other side. <laughs>